0: Hello, and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Uh, Today's episode is about The Old Man and the Gun, and I'm happy to be joined by my friend Ben Lubin. Ben, thanks for joining me.
1: My pleasure. Happy to be here.
0: Yeah, so uh, The Old Man and the Gun, for those who don't know much about it yet, it's... uh, the new film from david lowry who's directed a few movies um just in the last five years one called anthem body saints a uh peach dragon uh which is a kid's movie and then last year's a ghost story and now he's doing this one which is also happens to be maybe or maybe not be the last film of robert redford so the movie's gotten a lot of attention for something for, because of that but uh i think it's a pretty interesting movie in that it's a fairly simple plot in that it's about a guy uh, – based on a true story of a guy named Forrest Tucker who uh, well into his 70s basically – or from the time he was like 13 to the time he was in his 70s was just a career criminal and escaped from prison a bunch of times and robbed a bunch of banks. And But the film follows him in the later stages of life as he's still doing the bank robbing but also is happens to catch the eye of a detective played by Casey Affleck. But also at the same time, uh, another woman played by Sissy Spacek has caught his eye. And there's a lot more to the movie than that. It's a simple movie, but I think uh, it really reveals itself to be a lot more than that as it goes on. So I think that's pretty interesting. But Ben, I'm uh, glad that I was able to get you to join me for this one because I know that you were a pretty big fan of um, David Lowery's movie from last year, Ghost Story. But also, like, it's, it's just kind of funny. Like, when you talk about a guy who's like, last two movies are uh, Pete's Dragon, a kid's movie, a ghost story, and then this, like... The guy clearly doesn't really uh, p- pigeonhole himself as any as a director of any one kind of movie. So
1: I, I just it's hard to s- kind of identify what exactly a David Lowry movie is right now.
0: Right. So I mean, just I was curious to first start by asking you, like, as as someone who was pretty into a ghost story last year, when you see him do a movie like that, and then you all of a sudden pops up, and wh- however this movie first comes into your purview, uh, you see that it's a very different-looking kind of movie. It's a very different kind of plot. Uh, what are you expecting based on what you know about David Lowery? Because I normally ask people to start these things. Like, It's just kind of my way of starting as opposed to just saying, oh, did you like the movie? Because like I think that's just a weird, simple way to start a conversation. I like asking right. people about like their expectations and how – and I, I feel like it, it almost works better to ask someone about that for this movie than others because it's kind of weird when a guy's going from a movie like the ones he's done to then – this like what are you expecting when you see something like that are you expecting a heist movie or something else or does it are you happy to find that it subverts your expectations in a different way and isn't a heist movie
1: yeah so i i mean just based on the summary based on what i was seeing from kind of like early festival announcement and stuff stuff like that i knew it wasn't going to be in the same vein as a ghost story Mm -hmm. and i i'm excited about that like lowry is a young enough director and he's and he's like thirty eight, but he's a new enough director in terms of how long he's been doing features mm-hmm. that I don't think he has to really pigeonhole himself into kind of being a certain into just doing the same like specific thing over and over again. like I'm the analog that I have in my mind for Lowry and is who's actually a director I know he likes is someone like Robert Altman, okay? Um Altman is someone who sometimes would we'll just make movies for the experience of making a movie in that vein. Like he's someone who would like, if you actually look at his career and look at how different a lot of his movies are, even kind of movies that follow each other, it's, I, I think Lowry is kind of doing something similar to that. And I, I like the fact that he's willing to try something different. He's willing to be adventurous. Mm-hmm. And I think at this point, like what I trust about Lowry is that he's going to surprise me right so
0: then like ain't them body saints is a movie about like the aftermath of like a like a robbery gone like not so well are 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 you going into a movie like this being like i want to see david lowry's heist movie or do you want to see him see see him do something different and because i think we got something different and i'm wondering what 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 you were kind of hoping for when you walked into
1: this movie um i mean i'm not the biggest fan of kind of straightforward genre movies so i definitely wasn't hoping for I wasn't hoping for heat. I like heat, but I wanted something maybe a little different, especially, I mean, I think kind of mixed in with the Lowry thing is the fact that a lot of the buzz about the movie centered on the fact that it was Robert Redford's last movie. Mm -hmm. And I kind of heard about both, like, both of those things hit me at the same time. It's a Lowry movie and it's the last Robert Redford movie. Right. And I think I I really didn't know what the movie was going to be. Yeah. Um I knew it probably wasn't going to be a straightforward genre heist movie, but I had a feeling it would surprise me and I kind of tried to go in with as as kind of little preconceived notions as I could.
0: Yeah, and I th- and I, I I like that you mentioned heat cuz that was what I kind of thought about where uh there's Both of these movies have – both of that movie and this movie have scenes where the two leads uh, run into each other in a diner. Right. And they – except in Heat, it's very different from what it is here. And uh, what I thought was interesting about – like a lot – what you think about – when you think about a lot of heist movies or crime movies, it's like – even if it's something like Ocean's Eleven, it's like that kind of thing where it's like, oh – and well i guess there there are sequels to oceans 11 so that's not true a lot of them have that kind of feeling of oh i'm just going to do this big one last job and then i get out and th- that's kind of a little bit of what heat is because they're trying to pull off like a a big job in that one and, and and get out but like at the same time those two guys are circling each other and it's like they actually have like a, a lot of respect for each other but there is like this acknowledgement that like we're the things are going to kind of come to a head i guess and here right. it's uh forrest never really has that expectation like he says he wants to get out of town and go on a vacation uh right before he runs into Affleck in that
1: diner but uh it's I mean, just the movie kinda, kind of kind of plays with that I yeah think. um yeah. like it kind of like sets it up as oh this he, it, it kind of sets it up like he is going for the last big job mm-hmm. um or at least that that was how i read it like it wants us to kind of maybe see it that way and then oh see i never did actually like the whole movie i mean like i'll i've
0: oh, got i'm trying to figure out if I, I should have talked about this with the few more hand out and if i want to straight up spoil it but like i it kind of hit me almost when they had that scene where uh casey affleck's talking to the public defender like i mean the guy lays it lays it on lays out like the point of the movie to me to a certain extent but it's like this is just like this guy's way of life like i never actually thought he was going to Stop unless he did get caught, but that was just kind of how it struck me. So I'm curious, like,
1: right? Well, I mean, I, I I agreed with that, but I I think like it it set up the the kind of train of the the train of heist he's doing with the Over the Hill Gang. Yeah. Um, it felt like it was kind of leading towards that one last job he does with them, mm-hmm. and I think for me that was the movie kind of playing with the idea of oh, it's the big job. They like they're they're going after kind of a larger haul than they have. This is going to be the last job before he kind of rides off into the sunset with Sissy Spacek, and this is it. But again, you're right because that isn't who the character is. That's just not what he's going to do. It is his way of life. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'm. I i do not think the. I don't think that was ever what the character was going to do. But I think the movie was playing with kind of the notion of that like big job.
0: I I, I agree with that. Um, do you think that ties into the Robert Redford of it all at the same time?
1: Uh, yeah, I definitely think it does, and I think that kind of gets to what the movie does with the whole Robert Redford archetype. Because um, I mean, one of the things that one of the I guess the preconceived notions I had, or like one of the things I was I was curious about what it was going to be, is I had heard it was kind of this uh, love letter to Robert Redford's career, mm-hmm. and I think it was a lot more than that, to be clear. But I do think that a lot of the movie's views on contentment and satisfaction and the appeal of of redford's character it plays off why i think people relate to robert redford as an actor and relate to that kind of easy charisma of the characters he's played over his career yeah i was
0: gonna ask what what, is there more to is there more to that that you're getting at aside from just he's
1: really damn charming in this movie yeah um I mean, if you think of a movie like The Sting yeah, or really just kind of most of, of the early movies he did, both with Newman and without him, just kind of the appeal of Redford is he goes – his characters go through life with this ease. Um, they're simply – there is a joy and a charm and an, an ease to their life that I think people have responded to and kind of envied. Um, we want to go through our lives in the same way that Redford's characters go through theirs. We want to be as charming. We want to be as slick. We want the world to feel as smooth,
0: maybe. No, I, I would agree with that. And I thought about those. I, mean, I thought about that staying in uh, in Butch Cassidy specifically. I mean, I guess he's. Is not a um, he's not a he's a con man in this thing I guess more th- so than a more so than a straight up uh, robber or bandit like I guess he is in in Butch Cassidy but in both it's like even though those aren't like the easiest lifestyles just living that kind of thing I mean he he makes it look like a more normal nine to five job in this movie I would say but. In those, it's like at the same time, while the it would seem very stressful being on on the run from the law, like he is in a lot of those early movies. Like at the same time, he's, he's just kind of happy happy to be around. Him. It always seems like he just has like a at least a, at the very least a look of a grin or at being at ease on his face at all times. And always has like a smart, smooth thing to say. And I can totally see how that this harkens back to that for sure.
1: I think that connects in the old man and the gun to part of why he uh, he's such an interesting character because. His his life is kind of solitary. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's one of the, the most interesting contrasts with the Casey Affleck character. Uh he doesn't have that family and we actually have like we have that scene with Elizabeth Moss
0: mm-hmm.
1: um earlier like at, at one point in the movie where it's kind of this allusion to the family that he didn't have and that he even says he didn't really care about. It's like right. when he's asked He didn't even over you... Yeah, exactly. Which – so this is uh, – did, did you look up the actual guy at all?
0: I did not actually do any extra research on the true story.
1: So, so that I think was one of the most interesting changes the movie made. Did you did um, you go
0: back and read the David Grant story? I meant to do that and I just ran out of time. No, I, I, just, it.
1: I kind of I, – I read some highlights and I just kind of did a little bit of research on like just his life. Yeah. Um, but I think the most interesting difference for me was in real life he knew about –
0: he uh, knew he had kids okay yeah. um i knew they took some liberties
1: yeah no it, it definitely wasn't kind of exactly true to like the facts which was fine with me yeah but i think that like that to me just in terms of how they want us to view the character and what that means about the char- what the character values do you think it
0: almost makes them too unlikable if you don't change that part of it and, you know, that he, has I mean, his kids,
1: it's that, but I think it just, it's, it's not the version of the story that I think interested Lowry, um, because yeah, it, it makes him more unlikable, but it also, it's harder to kind of make the same claims about the character finding value in the way of life. He does if like if, if he does make those choices. Um, and I think it makes it harder for. Uh, it makes it harder to have him as a parallel to Affleck's character for me. Right. Um, just because if he was kind of consciously rejecting that family. Right. Like actively harming people. Right. Like act it just it, it's it's a different thing to me than just simply not wanting to like not wanting that for himself
0: right because i mean it's it's not that like i mean there's this he still made a choice even if he doesn't know that there's a family he still yeah. actively made a choice to like to not pursue that part of life when he knew he could have with elizabeth moss's mom
1: yeah but i think one of the things about his character is he's not someone who likes to hurt people he's not someone he's someone who actually goes out of his way to avoid people getting hurt in the robberies he does and just yeah, That would be harder no, to justify if yeah, he not, like, abandoned his kids.
0: Yeah, not that it matters that much or I even want to talk about it that much, but like I, there's a chance that gun's not even loaded,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do, Like you saw more recently than I did. Do, do we ever see him actually fire a gun? I don't think
0: so. I think even, I mean, no, I mean you see him on the run um, with guys shooting at him, but I don't think you ever see him use it. That's why I'm saying I don't know if the, he, he ever had a loaded gun. I mean, yeah. Might have, but we don't know because yeah, that's just not—it's not something he was that interested in. And that, yeah, that's just not the character. But yeah, no, I, I yeah, I agree, and I think it. it I mean, it, I, obviously, they made some very careful choices with how they deviated from the, the true story, and like I, I'm totally fine with that because I think it makes it pretty interesting. And you mentioned the the parallels with Affleck's character, and I knew that was uh, something I, I, I wanted to talk about some. Um, as did you i i some of the criticism i've read of the movie thinks there's uh i, th- I think there wasn't enough to the Affleck character and he gets a little too short but i mean uh i i mean it's it's redford's movie so i'm i'm totally okay with that but i i'm curious i, I mean do you think they developed him enough to um develop him enough for the purposes of what it ultimately wanted to do juxtaposing both of those guys
1: yeah, no, I mean he's he's definitely not like the main focus of the movie, so I'm not too bothered by the fact that he isn't as fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just in terms of establishing kind of the the different lifestyles the characters lead, the different values they have, we got enough of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. We see we see what he finds valuable. Uh, we see we see that kind of. Love. We see that love for the chase the character has, but at the same time we see him care more about other things. We see him. Uh, I, I think kind of the moment, the kind of like the most interesting moment with Affleck's character for me is the fact that he doesn't uh, doesn't kind of let go. The, the fact that he's willing to to let go of uh, of Redford's character. Like we don't see him so obsessed about being the one who like has to catch him that he like throws away everything else in his life he's, he's not willing to ruin his life for the chase it matters to him but his family matters more
0: right and that's that's part of what i really liked about the movie is that like there's this um and i agree i think one thing i was really glad it didn't totally overplay like it, we've seen how many times in movies have we seen like the local cop get really upset that the fed, the feds came in and took over the case it's in movies exactly. and TV. like how many times have we seen that scene it feels very familiar so 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 yeah, I I I'm I'm really glad that we didn't get that scene about like about the feds and we've seen that we've seen that a million times and I think it goes back to just him uh, ultimately being content to uh, ha- have that time with his family and that I feel I feel like there's kind of almost like a sliding scale with how much you are with how much you enjoy your work uh, to not be a miserable person and it's like how much you satisfaction get out of your work versus how much you get out of your home life and i was like thinking about that as a lot as i watch this because as we already discussed like uh forrest is clearly does not have any interest in having a home life he is happier than anything just robbing banks and nothing else is going to make him happier he's going to get all his fulfillment out of that and nothing else and uh clearly with affleck like i mean he doesn't hate his job. He's questioning it a lot because he's uh, having frustrations with it. But he gets enough out of it, and he's uh, he's at least kind of piqued his interest enough by the over the hill gang. But it's still not totally defining him. And I, I I can't argue with anyone that says that his wife's character um, is not the most well drawn character or, but like again I, I don't think that's what the most important thing is i think the best part about her is that like she's not the typical nagging wife at home that's bitching about him for paying too much attention to his work like she's actually just kind of supportive of him and he clearly loves her and i think that's what matters the most for the purpose of this movie like he gets a lot of fulfillment out of being at home with his wife and kids and therefore like he can live with some of the work frustrations and not having like a or and doesn't need to like absolutely like love everything he's doing at all times like Forrest does and just have to be having a happy time doing whatever it is you do for a living
1: yeah no i would agree with that i actually the the character of the wife i I, i'd agree she isn't the most fleshed out in terms of the movie yeah but i would still say she didn't feel like a flat character she's not like we don't see much about her motivations she's definitely kind of external kind to like the main story to the main movie but i don't think that makes her flat and i do think that is a testament to the script it is a testament to the performance that even if it's just kind of in the conversations we see her having i actually buy her as a character yeah um and i i think that is you know one of the things i like about lowry is that he feels like someone with kind of a He's someone who's led an interesting life. He's someone who I think has a sense of people in the way they are. He's someone who I would like to have a conversation with outside of film, outside of talking about kind of how did you make a ghost story? What were, what were your thoughts and motivations? Blah, blah, blah. He's someone I would like to have a conversation with.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you look at just kind of the scenes of people talking in The Old Man and the Gun, there is a genuine quality to them. Um and that's definitely true to speak of a different relationship for a second. That's definitely true with uh Forrest and with Sp- Sissy SpaceX character. Yeah because there's like there's scenes in the diner, I just I genuinely bought the authenticity of those moments. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, there's like enough uh God, I mean she talks about being a widow and having kids and stuff, but like before you even get quite to that point, like you do feel like she, you have a really good sense of who she is, and uh, that she genuinely would be charmed by this guy, and like just be have her interest peaked Because, I mean, it is, uh, there are um, there are far more boring things to be doing with your day than uh, being uh, picked up by a harmless-sounding guy in the road that calls himself a bank robber. And uh, I, I just, I, I bought it too, for sure.
1: Yeah. No. And it's it's just. Those scenes themselves, I, I just they they felt very human. Mm-hmm. Um and they, they just felt rich. Uh, and part of that is also a testament to just the chemistry kind of between Spacek and Redford. Um because first off, I'm I'm blanking, but have they have they worked together before?
0: Nope. I uh I actually listened to a podcast yesterday where um Lowry talked with Sean Fennessey, the um editor of The Ringer, who he has filmmakers on his podcast every week and he asked that exact question. He's like, No, they had briefly met for like five minutes once in, before, and that was their only interaction ever before filming this movie.
1: Then that is definitely a testament to them as actors because again, yeah. I just I bought the fact that I I just bought the chemistry between them. Mm-hmm. Um and actually, there, there is one more thing about just kind of Redford as an actor I, I wanted to kind of just circle back to. Yeah. Um, if you look at the difference between what he was doing early in his career and now, mm-hmm. the difference is super interesting. Like, I, I'm not honestly a big fan of early Redford. Okay. I, I think, like, just as an actor, not, not as movies, but just I think he's, early on, he was fairly limited. Yeah. He, he did what he did very well, Mm -hmm. but not a ton of range and i don't think he was i think he was more of a star than an actor but i think later in life he's been he's made some very interesting choices he's picked projects that challenge him in ways his earlier movies didn't and i just think it's been really interesting to just see him take on new challenges like i mean did you see all is lost
0: no, and I, I was about to say that that's one I wish I had like gotten to before I did this because I, I like J.C. Shandor. It's just one I never made it to. But I mean, oh, yeah. I, and I think I was maybe J. C. just J.C. Shandor
1: great, and I think it's probably his best movie.
0: Oh wow! Well, I, I should probably uh, circle back then because I, I, I think I think I was maybe just a little like uh worried about the premise like if i was going to enjoy just hanging out on a boat with a dude for a long time like that just didn't sound like my type of type of thing but i think i made that snap judgment before i had seen margin call or uh most violent year both of which i really love so i yeah. feel like i do need to go back to it but i was i was going to ask if you had seen it because i was curious what performance you had performances you had in mind when you said that
1: um yeah well first off i will say all is lost is if you're worried about being bored by an old man on a boat, I will say it is one of the less boring movies you could possibly check out. Like yeah. it, it it's it's immersive and it, like also his performance is dynamic and immediate in a way that I don't think I would really say about his earlier roles. Just in terms of the style of acting, it's completely different. It's less flat, it's less uh It's less charming. It's less easy. It's, I mean, it is a man in a very immediate, pressing, and existentially challenging situation. He, like, literally everything he does is about survival. Every single choice he makes. Hmm. And I think you see that reflected in in the performance in a way that is very different from early Redford. That's Um, interesting.
0: Yeah, because I guess, I mean, the, the only things I've really seen him in in the since the in this in this century where truth the we played dan rather a couple years ago which thought he i enjoyed watching him make topher grace uncomfortable but that's about all i remember about the yeah, I, I didn't see that one which is i mean I, I i saw it right after spotlight which i mean and it wasn't so i mean it probably wasn't a great movie to begin with but then i compared it to like another journalism movie and it wasn't so it, it wasn't great it was a it was an example of bad journalism but not the best movie um not probably not the best way of doing that and then he played a marvel villain so uh when in the winter soldier which i mean right I, I don't remember being blown away by that but i mean like that was before i think marvel really got their shit together with uh um with their villains so i mean i that, that yeah, makes i feel me like this
1: probably me- is not the time to go into a side conversation about the mcu because that would probably take up way too much of the podcast but. yeah
0: no for sure but that those are like the, those are like my two reference points for recent yeah. redford so it, it makes me excited to go back and watch all his loss because like i i really enjoyed him in this movie too and uh i mean I, I, and i think there's like almost certainly more to it than just him being charming i think i mean and th- i guess this goes to the director's credit but i feel like um they shoot his face pretty close up a lot which yeah. i noticed um noticeably so more than anyone else in the movie and i i feel like he does some pretty good acting with his face as weird as that sounds
1: um no no that's not a weird that's not weird at all and actually one of the things that i thought was great about his performance is the subtlety Mm -hmm. um and again this is something i don't think he was as good at as a younger actor or at least i don't think he was pushed to do as much as a younger actor Mm -hmm. on this just the subtleties Mm -hmm. i I, like moment to moment i like I, i i buy the emotion i buy him as a character i buy I buy the internal life of the character in a way that I don't really do with the Sundance kid, that I don't really do with his character in the sting whose name I am blanking on right now. Um and I just I think that when Redford was playing on kind of that star power, playing on kind of that star redford-y role. It's just it's not something he was pushed to do as much because the audience cared more about his charm, more about kind of style and affectation. Yeah, And I think that as an older actor, he's shown dimensions beyond that.
0: Yeah. And I, and I like what you said about him having that, um, that being able to see just like what, what his internal life is like because I mean, like I said, that scene with the where Casey Affleck's talking to the lawyer, like, yeah, that that spells it out a little bit for me and helped me kind of appreciate more what this movie was really about. But like, I I did feel like I saw it on his face later in the movie where um, it looks like maybe his life's going to go one way, but it becomes very fairly, fairly apparent that it's uh, that he's uh, that it's that it's not, and you have to you have to be able to see the the discontent and the. Uh, And the boredom on his face, and I and I and I do think he does like a a pretty compelling job of doing that, and it's it's a good way for like the the movie to. I mean, like it's I I mean I it bothers me when movies just uh try and explain everything and don't just show it, and I think it's a his acting allows it the movie to show and not tell just what that what he's going through without anyone having to over explain it to you at that point in the movie.
1: Yeah, no, I would agree. Um, one thing I definitely want to talk about. was the cinematography um yeah because I, I i like this was something that I, I think it was a big part of why the movie worked like it, it was shot on 16 millimeter right um, for,
0: for for the for the noobs out there like myself i mean i can sometimes talk about i can i can i've gotten a little better and i can usually tell when something's film as opposed to digital but can you explain specifically like what 16 millimeter can do for a movie
1: sure so 16 millimeter it kind of the the gist of it is it'll have a rougher and kind of grainier look mm-hmm. than something like thirty five millimeter or especially digital.
0: yeah.
1: Um, and I mean, the way I saw it projected and the way most people probably saw it projected, was on a digital a digital version of it. It was a digital conversion of a film that was shot on sixteen millimeter. But it still had that kind of grainy quality. Like it looked. Like, one way to think about it is it looked like a movie from the 70s or from the early 80s. It did, yeah. Uh, and I, I thought that was intentional, and I actually thought the, – the one thing I regretted when I watched the movie is that I hadn't been able to see see it projected on, on actual film. Hmm. Um, Because there are theaters in L.A. that would do that, and I really wish I'd been able to see it projected that way because I think it would have – it would have brought a lot of the things I loved about it to the next level. Um, are there, like, are there specific
0: of, scenes that do come to mind for you or like more so uh, than others it's, in that It's regard? not
1: specific scenes as yeah. much as it is just kind of a feeling throughout the entire movie. Right. Um, there's one, one of the advantages of 16mm for me mm-hmm. is a sense of intimacy. Right. Um, it kind of heightens, for me, a connection with just kind of a connection with the film. Like there was a... I had a film professor in college who talked about how you want to see you want there to be as little disconnect in the way you see the film to the actual shooting of it as possible, and that's just kind of like his view on it. But it's something that rings true for me on um, in film, like with, with like actual like film. Yeah, you're you're seeing something that is. It's it, there's a soulful quality to it, um, and that may be just kind of a hippy dippy way to look at it, but for me, it's true. There is a soulfulness and an intimacy and a humanity to something that feels less controlled. And I think with this one, like the it played up the intimacy of scenes of characters talking. It kind of it gave the movie a warm feeling that I thought really helped sell the feeling of contentment the character had with what he did and kind of that feeling of kindness
0: yeah well i guess it it does that for redford but i was actually going to say i think if i'm trying to figure out where where those feelings were elicited of um intimacy almost more for me it might have been some of the scenes in casey affleck's house where he where like even things were like he's his kids are counting the thumbtacks on that map or something like that. And like that, like that map, like it would feel weird. I, I I can, I know enough to know it would almost feel weird to be like looking at that map, like completely on a digital projection. Um, and having that scene, uh, uh, feel like pretty intimate in his living room, I think goes to that feeling that we were talking about earlier that like, that he has, that he gets from his family. And I can kind of see where, where you're going with that.
1: Yeah. Just, it, it made the movie feel, richer and more textured and just more human to me. And actually that kind of reminded me of another thought I had about it. Uh, I don't know if you remember earlier this year, uh, David Ehrlich at IndieWire wrote an article about the wave of nice core movies. I don't know if I read that one. Okay. So it was basically uh, the, the gist of it was there was a wave of movies like Paddington two, like won't you be my neighbor like I forgot the other ones he mentioned that were basically tonally very gentle mm-hmm. and kind of boiled down to this feeling of warmth and kindness as overwhelming. Um and it kind of part of the article is it's like those movies are meant to be like a panacea for everything else that is going on around us in
0: 2018.
1: Right. Um I think on some levels you could you could sort of put the old man and the gun together with those movies. I think it does something very different in that it doesn't try to use that warmth and that kindness as something to make us forget about the bad things going on around us, but it presents the world... It presents a uh, state of the world in which you can live your life doing the things you love.
0: Well, I... I think it's it's interesting to think about like as far as what you're talking about with it, like being about being able to do the things that you love. Uh, I think I think I think it's an interesting point to come back to though because I mean yeah. I think it's the one I think it's like a good entry point for people into this movie. And it, I keep coming back to it as like the thing that like uh, that really helped me connect with it to think about just. Um, what, what I get out of my day-to-day life. And I, I, I made the comment earlier that, like, if it was obviously very different in a lot of ways from Ghost Story. Uh, but, like, one thing about a Ghost Story is, like, that I think there is one parallel is that, like, in, in ways they are about the passage of time. It's just, like, it tells that in, like, a, it just gets at that in, like, a very different way. It's, like, how do right. how, how, like, I mean, Ghost Story, in a, in a way, covers hundreds of years, whereas, I mean, this is obviously not that long. But it's, like, how, how do how do we get by with passing the time on a day-to-day basis and how... Do we need to be doing something we love at all times to do that? And I don't. I don't. And if I I might be getting away from the point you were initially making, but it just kind of made me think of how I wanted to finally describe what I was trying to say earlier. Was that like, I think everyone can go to this and just think about like, man, am I am I getting enough out of like my day to day life, out of both my personal and professional, to to pass the time in a way that, like, makes me content. And I think that's, like, for a movie that's, like, about – at its core, yes, it's about an old man and a gun that robs banks. Like, it, and it is very lighthearted and almost nice core, like you were saying. It, like, actually has some really bigger things to say about life. And I think that's, like, my biggest takeaway overall.
1: Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. Like, actually, it's, it's funny because it, in a lot of ways, it's a very – american movie and the tropes it plays with Mm -hmm. it's kind of this whole idea of the the charming the charming outlaw but when i was thinking of the movie i actually thought of it more in terms of like eastern philosophy on because i think there is a tendency in a lot of eastern philosophy to kind of focus on finding fulfillment in the moment Mm -hmm. rather than finding fulfillment in terms of more abstract things or long-term
0: setting up for your future just Whereas Forrest just wants to be happy.
1: Yeah. Um, and so I don't know. I, I, I. It's a very, for me, it just it is a movie about finding fulfillment, finding value, finding meaning in what you do. It's not about using that as a way to kind of chase down some thing at the end of the tunnel. It's not about being the best at what you do. It's not about anything like that. It's just about simply Uh, finding joy. Yeah. Um, and there is something really rich and I think really resonant about that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that does kind of, again, tie back into the appeal of Redford and the appeal of Redford's easy charm. Um, we want to have that sense of joy. We want the world to feel like that. I think the movie has a lot to say about how to live your life on and just how, how to pass your time. And actually, I think the one trap it avoided is a lot of movies focusing on old characters, I think, focus too much on characters coming to terms with death mm-hmm. and coming to terms with the end of things. And this didn't do that. And I thought, like, I was—that's one thing I was worried about going in. I thought it was going to be way too much about, like, oh, you're about like you need to retire, you need to, yeah. like, you're you're at the end of things, and it it never felt like that. It actually it reminded me a lot of a movie from last year called Lucky, uh, which was actually Harry Dean Stanton's last performance. Okay, I didn't see that. Um, funny enough, it was his last performance before he died. But the thing that, like, really struck me about the movie is the character was, like, 85 years old, something like that,
0: yeah.
1: and it wasn't about – it had nothing to do with the character dying. It wasn't about that. It was just about what life is like at that age.
0: Yeah, go, and, and I, th- I thought I thought like we were going to get some big speech from Sissy, Sissy Spacek in the prison, like, you know what I mean, like lecturing him or something yeah. like that, and it, it wasn't like that, telling him about, you're an old man, you got better things to be doing than this, and – it it, it kind of sets you up to think that might, that's where it might be headed, but that's not what it's doing.
1: Absolutely. it, it at, at the end, it, it this isn't—
0: Yeah, our, our, this can be like our jumping-off point if because we really actually haven't spoiled anything, but I did want to talk about the end quickly. Okay. Um,
1: yeah, like, I wasn't you, sure how how much you wanted to avoid. Yeah, yeah, we,
0: we didn't really spoil anything, so I think it's—I uh, um, mean— it's, Again, if you really don't want to know what happens in the last 10 minutes of this movie, because I don't really think there's any spoilers aside from that that we've touched on, stop listening now and then come back. But like, did you have thoughts on – did you have thoughts on whether it be like his final decision or the montage of the prison escapes, which was pretty cool? Um, yeah, w- w- well, I, I there love the you montage want to touch on? Yeah, sure.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no. I, I, I love the montage, and yeah, actually it, it's funny. For most of the movie, um, or at least for the first half of the movie, there was one thing that – I was asking myself how has he never been caught because for the, like for up until the conversation with Elizabeth Moss's character, I don't think there's really any reference to him serving oh. jail time. Yeah, you're right. Um, and I, I was kind of asking, like I was asking myself during the movie, like, has he managed to like go this far without consequences? Mm-hmm. And obviously that, ended up not being the case like to sport like he had been in prison like 18 times he spent most of his life breaking like breaking out of jail yeah. or in jail and breaking out of jail and it was still worth it to him mm-hmm. um and so again to spoil it at the end he he ends up living at sissy spacex ranch i guess and The implication is she wants him to kind of, like, wrap things up. Yeah, become a homebody. Yeah, become a homebody, stop robbing banks. And then the last bit of the movie, he goes to rob another bank. And, you know, it's, it's... He is someone who, whatever the consequences, whatever whatever else there is he's someone who knows who he is and is content living life the way he lives it i i i th- i think it was kind of if nothing else a beautiful way for the movie to wrap up the character whatever his ending whatever the consequence is he is someone who's content to live life the way he does
0: yeah i like i like open ended open ended endings like that where i mean it's not that important exactly what that guy's endpoint is and if you really care you can go look it up after but i, I kind of do like the note it goes out on because it it did ring true to him that that was what he would decide to do and that's what i was getting at earlier when i was talking about just the look on his face like as you're watching them go through the scenes like taking walks and watching movies like you can just tell he's not into it and i think that's pretty good acting without even having to do a whole yeah. lot and i i appreciated that the movie did have him make that choice even if you're you're I don't I don't I mean I saw some people say you're cheering for him to like you might be cheering for him to get away with things in early in the movie cuz he's charming but he, I think you he's so likable that you do kind of want him to just like find peace but I mean that might be the only way for him to do it so Yeah he's he's fun. finding
1: peace doing what he does on yeah. um, and again it's like you want him to kind of run off into the sunset but where to
0: Mhm yeah
1: for him running off into the sunset just means robbing more banks
0: right <laughs> and as odd as that sounds, I guess that's that's true. And I I, I I'll second you on saying I I uh, I quite enjoyed the montage. It was uh, tastefully done. There was a way it could have felt like uh, way more like gratuitous and weirdly out of place than it was. Even though like one of the years that they stamped on one of those old scenes was like from when it was definitely like, like 1966 when
1: oh if you look at the actual chronology of it, like, don't
0: think about it too hard yeah because uh, it, it doesn't
1: quite it doesn't quite work it's right. just um, a thing
0: i notice a lot is I, I think about character ages and stuff like that when watching movies and it's like one, one of the scenes they showed was 66 when Forrest would have been like 60 but it's like a 35 yeah, it like it's like a, it's like a 35 before. year old robert redford in the yeah. thing so don't think about it too hard but like it was still really fun to look at and cool the way that they did weave it in um but yeah, do you have any uh, do you have any other final parting thoughts? That anything else that we didn't touch on, or any, any anything else, you, any final things you just had to get out before we
1: sign off? Um, you know, one other thing that I really loved about it yeah. was the score, okay, the, the, yeah. the music. Um, which first off, I thought was totally appropriate to the movie and kind of helped give it this kind of gentle feeling. Mm-hmm. But it also tied into kind of I think the way the movie was edited, because if you, if you actually kind of look at it, there are a lot of like random asides and random shots that don't quite belong. And if you actually kind of break down the reason for every single shot, I think a lot of it just comes down to the musicality of it. Um, like there's an old actor friend of my dad's, not actor, an old editor friend of my dad's mm-hmm. who basically f- told my dad he felt editing at its core comes down to music. Huh. You're, not, you're not putting a shot where it is you're not putting an, an element of the film where it is for specific formulated reason you're putting it there because you just you feel like it has to be there it belongs it flo- like that's just the way it flows and i think the old man and the gun is a pretty good example of that yeah I it's can. not that yeah it's it's not that every shot is there for kind of a specific calculated reason it's there because it just needs to be there and, and I, I, think, I can also
0: see what you're saying, though, about it just kind of like helping the flow of the movie and the feeling that it does have of that easygoing nature. I think it 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 it, it enhances that for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, other than that, you know, I'm not. It's it, like I saw the movie a few weeks ago, and I'm still working a lot of things out about it. I, I loved it a lot, mm-hmm. unsurprisingly, mm-hmm. but it, it's it's a movie that still feels like it's growing inside me it's one that I think it, it, it stays with you and it, it's a movie that you'll be re-examining over time and I think that's maybe the highest compliment I could give it
0: yeah and especially because it's just really cool to think about like I especially like even through the first half of this movie I just I, I was having a fun time but I did not expect to like have that same feeling about it either and it kind of that it does leave you with that much to chew on I think is like pretty impressive for a movie that like you don't necessarily have to appreciate it that way. You can just take it for very surface level. But I mean, it's cool that like it you are able to kind of watch it both ways and um, just actually have that much to think about. When on this, if you just see the trailer, you're like, oh, it's gonna be a simple fun, a simple fun fable, whatever you want to call it, just a easy story, whatever. And yeah. in one ear out the other. But it's 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 really not that, which I think is like you said, pretty impressive. Um, yeah,
1: and I think with this and a ghost story, which Again, I loved. Even if he's someone who you can't quite nail down yet, I think David Lowry is someone who is interested in using films for more me- using film for a more meaningful end. I, would almost, like, I,
0: I, I was going to ask you to end like if you knew what you wanted him to do next, but like, that seems like an, almost an impossible question when someone's yeah, like done honestly, many what things. I want
1: him to do next is whatever the hell he wants to do next. Right. Exactly. Um, if if he if there is a movie he feels passionate about at this point, I I trust him. Like, I will watch whatever he does next and trust that even if I don't know what exactly I'll be going into, mm-hmm. it'll be something meaningful.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I, 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 think, I think that we pretty well covered it, and I, I really appreciate you taking the time to break this down with me because I think it's, um, it's helped me appreciate it even more than I already did, and I, and I really like the movie too. Uh, before we sign off, Ben, I like giving people the opportunity if they want to to plug anything. Do you have any uh, work you want to plug or your letterbox, or any, any other kind of media or anything?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean if you want, you can follow me on Letterboxd. I'm um, Ben Lubin on there. Um. Other than that, you know, if you are a producer who's looking for a nickel quarterfinal winning script, hit me up, Tyrant. Yeah. Nice. But yeah, no, I'm I'm doing film stuff in LA. Have a short that is hopefully going to be filming in January. And other than that, hoping to put that in the festival scene. And. Look forward to it, I guess. Awesome. And, uh,
0: well, hopefully you'll come back and join me for something later on in award season because there's like so many movies coming out now, and I'm like, all of a sudden like i'm overflowing trying to like find guests for all of them because like august and september were like super slow and now all of a sudden like i'm traveling like for four straight weekends and like all the movies are coming out so i'm trying to cover them all and ben i appreciate you doing it with me and hopefully you'll come back uh as usual people can find me on twitter at josh jernavoi j-o-s-h-j-u-r-n-o-v-o-y and um same thing on letterboxd and um i think at the whenever you're listening to this like i'm Still trying to figure out when I'm posting and recording on my podcast because, like I said, I got so many to do. But the next one you might be hearing could be on First Man or Bad Times at the El Royale or even Venom because I did find someone that had something to say about Venom. So I'm going to be recording a podcast about that. So um, everyone stay tuned. Thanks again to Ben for joining me, and we'll see you next time.